Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, Dr. Santos here, your friendly neighborhood pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher, coming at you from the lab. I know what you're thinking. Dr. J, Santos, you guys are not appearing on the regular day in the feed. You're taking, one might almost say, a layover. Hmm. (laughs) We are. We're going to just put our feet up back here plug our phones into this nice free USB charging station, put in our headphones to block out all the weird like CNN giant flat screens everywhere, and kind of delve into some sciencey stuff. Well, we're actually getting ready to kick back and travel for the holidays, so we wanted to give you a few things to enjoy when we're away, and one of them is a special gift for you. We actually will be launching a brand new show here on travel medicine podcast network and this is a collaboration with our wonderful guest from the space medicine association so get it because he said we're launching the episode because it's a launch likewise oh god so first announcement let's get a promo So you get a little idea of what's coming up. And then, so let's hear what our new show is going to be about. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, 
Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. Hi, I'm Eleanor. I'm Emily. And I'm Tom. And together we're Space 3D. Recently, I was approached by one of the hosts of Travel Medicine Podcast to create a new podcast focused on space medicine. Well, that sounded kind of cool, but I thought it made sense to bring in some others with complementary space-related interests to make things more interesting and a bit broader than medical aspects alone. Thus, Space 3D was born. I'm one of the rotating hosts, and I'm a clinical pharmacist, and I got interested in space medicine for space tourism and exploration class missions oh, about two decades ago now. I've lectured on these topics at various space conferences as well as published on them over the years. I've consulted with NASA on medication usage guidelines for astronauts as well as planning for future Mars mission needs. I've also contributed content for a review of NASA's evidence reports on human health risks for the National Academy of Sciences Health and Medicine Division. And did I mention I've been a docent at the National Air and Space Museum for over 20 years? Anyway, all this just means is that I'm a space nerd. Emily, why don't you tell our audience a bit about your background and interest? I'm Emily Carney, and I'm a spaceflight historian. My first vivid memory uh, was watching the launch of STS-2 in late 1981, and from then on, I was a bit of, uh, I guess you could say, a professional. I devoured every space book and newspaper article I could get my hands on. Upon finishing high school, I enlisted with the U.S. Navy and somehow became a nuclear operator and propulsion mechanic. In 2011, I created the space the Facebook group Space Hipsters on the Lark. At the time, it had only four members. Nowadays, it totals over 12,000 members. I am honored and humbled to tell listeners about the history of spaceflight. And now, I'll turn the mic over to Tom, our third rotating host on Space 3D. When I was six years old, I started telling people I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. And 16 years later, it actually came true. After getting my degree, I served in the Air Force for eight years and then joined industry. Throughout that, I've worked in all phases of space, whether that's designing satellites, being the voice of launch control to launch one. I've worked on testing plans to get them doing their job once they're there. I've worked on some of the oldest spacecraft that the United States has ever flown and actually took, player, took part in the planning to shut that satellite down when the time came. And then to bring things full circle, I actually tracked some of the oldest objects in orbit while I was at an Air Force site. So all dimensions of space are important to keep in mind, whether you're keeping the crew healthy and sane. Building and holding together public and political interest in your project. Or developing, testing, and flying your fancy new spaceship. So join us as we look at space from all directions in Space 3D. Join Space 3D for our podcast topic on the evolution, de-evolution, and future aspirations for healthcare capabilities in space, focusing on lessons from Skylab, plans for a health maintenance facility for Space Station Freedom, which de-evolved due to budget constraints, and future thinking on healthcare technologies needed for exploratory class missions, such as a mission to Mars. Ignition sequence start. So we have that to look forward to, and I encourage everyone to tune in. We'll be launching that show in this upcoming month of December. But in the meantime, let's help you catch up with travel medicine. Yeah, he said it again. <laughs> Santosh, 
as we look at these adorably tiny little bottles of condiments, are you aware that ketchup is, one, the most widely used condiment across the world, and two, used to be marketed as a medicine? (laughs) Okay, so one, yes, but ketchup wasn't always the ketchup that we know today. And two, no, no, I did not. (laughs) And that sounds like the ramblings of an insane person. Well, you're not wrong. So first off, I know I'm going to piss a few people off here, but I live in Chicago. So if it's on a hat, if it's on a hot dog, ketchup is a garbage condiment, but I will permit it on fries. Oh, God. (laughs) Honestly, guys, we have to say this in order to protect ourselves. There are rabid, rabid fans out there. (laughs) I can't go walking in the streets with people thinking I put ketchup on my hot dogs. Oh, they wouldn't relish that. (laughs) So up until the late 1800s, you know, my favorite Victorian times, tomatoes were often considered poisonous, and ketchup instead was made from a variety of ingredients like grapes, mushrooms, and and berries. Uh, I was about to say babies. Um, But... No, no. (laughs) But tomatoes were not were used for ketchup because tomatoes look very similar to nightshade, which is poisonous. Right. You could easily mistake the two. And even if you didn't mistake it, there was enough paranoia involved with ketchup or sorry, with uh, tomatoes that it was just really not a very good idea to, uh, you know, just have it at the kitchen table. There would be a lot of freaking out going on. In fact, it, the fear about this was so big that in 1820, Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson of Salem, New Jersey, <laughs> stood on the steps of the local courthouse and consumed an entire basket of tomatoes <laughs> in the town square just right. to prove they weren't poisonous. History does not remark why he did this. Could have just been a fun Sunday afternoon. <laughs> right. No, no, I'm kidding. I, I, there were reasons he did. And this also relates to a few years later. Ohio physician Dr. John Cook Bennett created a recipe for tomato ketchup. He advertised it as a medicine that cured you of diarrhea, jaundice, indigestion, and rheumatism. He even made his ketchup into pills, which of course made it seem more legit. It got a makeover, becoming a patent medicine. Dr. Miles' compound extract of tomato, made of tomato sauce, vinegar, sugar, and salt. Ew, ew, and ew. So ketchup was a health fad with the masses through all of the 1830s up until 1840s. That is 10 years of people thinking, mmm, delicious. Actually, it's 10 years of people thinking, ah, poison, followed by, this will help my arthritis, followed by, mmm, ah, it's still good on fries. (laughs) Exactly. In fact, a lot of people think that through it all, the uh, ketchup as medicine bit was uh, a scam. It was probably there just to kind of push the condiment along so that it would make it into the mainstream. And Josh, believe it or not, the whole reason that the ketchup as medicine collapsed wasn't really because people were questioning its claims, although that did happen. It actually happened because 
there really weren't enough tomatoes to go around. And uh, let's say ripoff artists uh, during the time decided to, instead of putting tomatoes in the tomato pills, just fill it up with a bunch of laxatives so that you'd quote unquote poop out all the bad stuff. <laughs> but when they were. Well, I mean, in that case, it did cure constipation. It really, really did. <laughs> but once it was found out that, hey, there isn't a lot of tomatoes in here, and hey, tomatoes don't really cure all that stuff, well, we couldn't really claim it as a medicine anymore, which was probably a good thing, because it's not. <laughs> well, not only was that a problem, but let's see. Reading from a cookbook used in 1866... Filthy, decomposed, and putrid. Well, this sounds like a great recipe. That was the words that the cookbook author used to describe the quality of tomatoes and commercial ketchup being sold at the time. That's partially because of the shortness of tomato season. Now, it lasts from mid-August until mid-October, so ketchup could only be made fresh for about two and a half months out of the year. But by the late 19th century... Americans were used to expecting ketchup the entire year round. So barrels of tomato pulp were stored so badly that when they were open, they were found to be filled with mold, yeast, spores, and fungus. Yeah. So to prevent ketchup from molding any further, ketchup makers would then fill their batches with harmful preservatives, including boric acid, formalin, salicylic acid, and potassium benzoate. That's bad. I'm uh, I'm looking at all of those reagents sitting up on my shelf right here in the lab, and all of them have big skull and crossbones on it there, Jolly Roger. Well, that's thanks to the efforts of the Poison Squad, one of our other former layover minisodes, which you should go back and listen to from last season. But because ketchup with all the tomato pulp sieved out and with boric acid and benzoic acid added is more yellowish than anything else, they threw in some coal tar for good measure to dye the ketchup red. <laughs> Always a good idea. <laughs> Here's where we get a little bit of pop culture trivia. The fact that every bottle of Heinz tomato ketchup is see-through <laughs> is Genius! no accident. It's a design statement about purity through transparency. Heinz was one of the first factory owners to think, I might sell more bottles if I stopped poisoning everybody. So he found methods that improved the length of preservation time and paid attention to the toxic reports of preservatives, <laughs> getting to the point where eventually he could release his ketchup in clear glass bottles with no additional dyes. The Heinz 57 varieties was totally made up. He simply liked the sound of it. But one thing that everyone should know about ketchup is it's a non-Newtonian fluid. Specifically, it's pretty thin and watery. So a small amount of xanthan gum in modern day, so you can almost think of it like rubber or a thickening agent, is added to ketchup. Oh, but that means nice. I like that. ketchup is a sheer thinning fluid. How quickly it flows depends on the stress being placed upon it. That is why you always would have mm -hmm. to hit the ketchup bottle to make it come out. Now, are you ready for another fact that'll blow your mind? I know nowadays we have mostly squeeze bottles of ketchup, but in fact... On the old glass bottles, if you're not sure where to hit it to make the fluid come out, it's not the bottom. It's right on the Heinz 57 label. Oh, very nice. I like that. Place there to tell you where to apply the pressure most evenly 
to encourage ketchup flow. I absolutely love it. Is that a real thing? I like heard about it, but I didn't even know if it was true. Yep. Part of the Heinz website information does include that. All right. Uh, Dr. Josh, I know you absolutely love your history. Do you happen to know where ketchup originally came from? Fish sauce. <laughs> I mean, why no, Dr. Santosh? Wherever do you mean? <laughs> He's going off script, people. He's going rogue. <laughs> That's a good little Alexa. Um, <laughs> so we actually don't know exactly where Europeans first found ketchup, but we're pretty sure it was in Southeast Asia off the coast of the China Sea. So it could have come from Malay or it could have come from China, but the original ketchup was ground up shark fin and anchovies, baby. So, you know, less shark these days. <laughs> Yeah, it was essentially a mush uh, that was put together, um, which would then be put in with uh, vinegar seasoning. And this would actually work as a seasoning, but it would also be a preservative because you could store the stuff in barrels. It would ferment a little bit, but then you could actually use it to keep the rest of your food uh, relatively fresh. So, yeah, our very first uh, origins uh, were just uh, brine of pickled fish or shellfish. So you may be asking yourself, what do space and ketchup have to do with each other? Nothing. Not a gosh darn thing. These were just two announcements we figured as we launch ourselves off into the holidays. Bye, guys. And bring some condiments along to snack along the way. We just wanted to give you this little holiday gift. So enjoy, and we'll see you next week. Until next time, happy travels. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.